Welcome, one and all, to another episode of the Coastal 101 Podcast. I'm Andrew Sowa, North Carolina, and joining me on the podcast this week after what feels like a months-long hiatus, probably because it was, is our California correspondent, Eric Woolley. Eric, how are you? Good. How are you, Andrew? It's a beautiful day. I love it. Glad to hear it. So, Eric, you've... Uh, you decided to grace us with your presence on the show again <laughs> this week. You had the opportunity to visit Knott's Berry Farm uh, for a preview of their 100th anniversary celebration. Uh, for those paying it, you know, who haven't been paying attention, Knott's, like anybody else that had a big milestone anniversary in 2020, unfortunately had to postpone that. So it is the 100th anniversary celebration in the 101st year of operation for Knott's. Uh, Eric, my first question for you: What was it like being back at Knott's Berry Farm? It was great. Uh, they so so the park. If for people who didn't know, during the during the pandemic, the park was when it, they couldn't open as a theme park. They were doing food festivals almost constantly throughout the year, and then when the Taste of Boysenberry Festival ended, at the beginning of May, they were doing season pass holder previews, um, basically up until May twenty first. Uh, and then so May 21st was their official grand reopening to the public where anyone could go. And so the um, the Thursday night before they did sort of a, a kickoff ceremony um, that I got to go to. And then I also went to the park on the, the, the first Friday that they were open. Um, but, yeah, it felt great to the park to be back in the park. It looked great. Uh, it you could tell that they were excited to be reopening. I was sort of, I was talking to one ride operator on Friday when I was waiting in line and like he'd mentioned, Oh, they were, he'd sort of been like working there through all the food festivals. So they sort of from their side, they kind of felt like they had been, I think more open than a lot of California parks, but uh, it, you could tell from people visiting that they were excited to be there. Yeah. And excited to, to have them sort of be able to start all of this kind of special event that they had been, planning to do last year which was basically the it's actually unclear to me if it's like what the 100th anniversary like if they have the exact date it is my understanding the 100th anniversary of like when walter not opened a berry stand in buena park california in the 1920s but it's not totally clear to me which year he opened that so maybe this is actually the 100th anniversary of Walter not starting his berry stand. So who who knows? It's it's all marketing at this point. It could it could be like the 98th yes. and we're just going to round up to the 100th. And and they are not changed. They are calling it the 100th anniversary Knott's family reunion. I, I mean they were always calling the festival kind of this months long festival the Knott's family reunion. They're still calling it that. So I think whether it's the 100th or 101st or 99th or whatever it sort of doesn't really matter. Got it. And you uh, you went to this event, this kickoff event, kind of preview event, and I know with it being Knott's and Knott's coming off of their run of successful food festivals, I'm imagining the food at this event had to be pretty top notch. Yeah, so it was the they so the one of the things that they were sort of showing off is that they I, I guess technically the like so it's the Knott's family reunion and they're also now they they started their Knott's summer nights kind of festival which includes music and and stuff like that and i think that's what all the food items and that at some point there will be tasting cards um for a bunch of these and they've got sort of temporary booths set up in places um 
as is often the case with Knott's food events, uh, they sort of give you too much food with each taste. <laughs> so like the friends Darn, and I, I hate that. with, I know. Well, it's like we're, so you're given, we were given tasting cards that had like six tickets on them. Uh, but I do not know how one person could possibly go through uh, all of all, all six tasting cards and certainly not in a three hour evening event. Um, try even, even with the tickets also being good for beverages, both alcoholic and non-alcoholic, uh, not beverages. I only got through five tickets. It was sort of, um, but yeah, it's, you know, as, as always with nuts, there's some interesting stuff and some that like misses the mark, but like a lot of it that hits the mark and then sort of they, they're good at reusing old favorites and having at least a few items that have like a little bit of a boysenberry uh, touch to them. Although not as much as during the boysenberry festival, but um, yeah, you know, we got a fun bun. I was there with two other people, so that's, I think, the right number of people to split a fun bun with. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, can't, first, first fun bun that I've had in maybe two years, something like that. Oh, gosh. And you had a uh, you had the boysenberry beer, too, right? I know you're a, a little bit of a craft beer drinker. I did have boysenberry beer and uh, boysenberry cider. They had the one of my friends also, they had a boysenberry sangria that I think they'd also had during the boysenberry festival. All very delicious. Um, I feel, I don't know, I feel like back in past boysenberry festivals, they always sort of had different breweries do the beer. Um, but this one tastes like the same as it's been at the last couple boysenberry festivals. So I feel like they've locked in on that. Um, the boysenberry sangria was, uh, was pretty tasty as well. I was impressed by it actually had it was uh, I was sort of expecting it to be sweet just because like it's theme park sangria. But it was actually had it had a nice balance to it. Good wine flavor in it. Uh, Yeah. So, you know, good food, good drinks. I think those will be available. I'm not sure if they're I think they'll be available soon, although I'm not sure if they've started the, the full summer nights and tasting cards for that yet. But always good. Walking around the park. I mean, how is it? How how is the decoration for the uh, the family reunion hundredth hundred and first hundred and second whatever year it is anniversary? Uh, yeah, so that's the like um, I know. So the the friends that I went with had actually they lived down in Orange County, so they'd been uh, to all the, to the food festivals and had been to Taste of Boysenberry. And so when we first got in, there were sort of lots of um, sort of like bunting hanging from like all of the buildings and Ghost Town and like lots of sparkly not hundredth uh, signage kind of all over the place. And like a lot of it was, I was wondering like, Oh, has this been there all year since they've been <laughs> planning to do this last year? And my friends were like, no, this was all new. Like that decoration wasn't there. So clearly in the, like, I don't know if it was during pass holder previews or stuff, they've been setting up um, things for the hundredth anniversary um, around all of the stages. They had signage and decoration set up for all of that. I know that they, so the, during the Thursday night event, they had sort of a small like video that they showed and the, the VP and GM of the park gave a, a brief talk. Um, they had like clips of celebrities who were like, oh, I like went nuts as a kid and I'm so excited to bring my family back and that kind of thing. Terry Crews is a, apparently a big Knott's Berry Farm fan. So try and get him on the podcast at some point. And so they had like stages for that all set up and that's all part of the Knott's Summer Nights event um and i think the other thing that like stood out is sort of a decoration is there are 
uh, we the first one we passed, it didn't like register in my mind what it was. But then as we saw more of them, it was clear that there were um, they have now set up kind of photo op booths that are all related, like small models, prop mock ups of past Knott's Berry Farm rides. So there was one for the Haunted Shack and one for Kingdom of the Dinosaurs, one over like near Accelerator for Wacky Soapbox Racers. Uh, so a bunch of those set up that all had like both a, a spot that you could take a picture and something that looks like the ride, uh, as well as like little plaques that explain the history of, oh, what this is, what it was when it when it was there, when it left, um, which was kind of neat. And certainly for both theme park geeks or like people who went to Knott's years ago or something like, oh, they can go and see these little touches of um, references to Knott's history, which I think is uh, a nice uh, way of sort of celebrating the past of the park that mostly hadn't been there before. Like, I think lots of those old rides basically, like, I don't remember them being referenced in other parts of the park. Uh, and these, if you, if, if listeners go onto the site and look at the, the write-up that I posted last week, you can see a bunch of pictures of some of these and uh, what they look like. Gotcha. And I I have to ask, because I haven't read the article yet. Is there a any nod to the Windjammer Surf Racers? I don't think so. The like the five that I remember were so the Haunted Shack, King Dinosaurs, Wacky Soapbox Racers, um, one for uh I think it's Sky Jump or Parachute Jump, the like ride that was sort of I think near where uh hang time is, and then um the the Knott's K Tower, which I guess is actually the other sort of big improvement is that the like the giant, I think, observation tower at one point like that was there has like a big new giant K on it that is what was there back in, I think, like the 70s or 80s when it was first installed. And so and there's down below that is is a sign referencing nothing, nothing on Windjammer. OK, that's OK. I'm, I, You know, it's as they say, it's gone. And uh, I think I might be the only person who hasn't forgotten it. So it's OK. <laughs> I think that for coaster enthusiasts, there's there's some good wacky soapbox racers uh, mentions. I hadn't noticed uh, Thursday night, but when I was there Friday, there's like at the wacky soapbox racers one. And I noticed that each of the the photo ops like also have speakers with soundtracks to them. And the wacky soapbox racer, I think, has like the announcement that was like the announcement on the on the coaster when you were like getting ready to ride and stuff about it. Nice. And obviously you can't have an anniversary at a park without leaning full on into the retro merch. And I know when you were at the park on Friday, you sent out these retro posters that look amazing. And if I had any wall space whatsoever, I was going to have you send me one. But what were some of the other retro merch options that they that you saw for the 100th anniversary? Yeah, so there were a, a ton on the same old rides that like they had. They were acknowledging places like stuff for Wacky Soapbox Racers, a bunch of like T-shirts and um, magnets and stuff like that. And, and for rides like Kingdom of the Dinosaurs and stuff. And I think that was I saw them in sort of the the, the shops right next to the new Knott's Berry Tales Return to the Fair, which we'll talk about in, in a little bit. But um, kind of they were they were clearly leaning to a lot of that throwback stuff. And then in, uh, I forget the name of the store, but the one that's basically across the way from where Knott's Berry Tales is, they had basically, it was like, so where, where that's where they had all these posters. Um, and they had set up, basically, there was like an art exhibit in there that had been, I think it was two or three local artists had like made actual like 
original art related to knots and knots history and stuff. And like, you could both buy like oh, an original canvas of that as well as prints. Um, or I think the posters may have come from one of those artists that were like, these were prints of, of their artwork. And so there's a bunch of neat stuff like that, that were sort of um, exhibits about knots history that also had this pretty good artwork. Um, if anybody like really wants an original knots art piece. I kind of do. Like I said, I don't have the wall <laughs> space though. I'm looking yeah. around and I'm like, get ready to move. And it's just like, I have Let's see so how much many... space you have in your, in your new place. Maybe you'll end up uh, next time I'm, I'm at knots. I'll pick up something for you. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. But on the subject of knots history, we got to talk about the return of whittles. <laughs> and because I am, I am somebody. And I'm, when we talked with uh, Patrick was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, um, we talked about Ringo Raccoon and the whole cast of Carowinds characters from 1973. Um, Ringo Raccoon, Hercules the dog, Petunia the pig. I could go on and on for these costume characters. And it seems to be kind of a trend. I know Dorney Park has brought back Alfundo the clown and Knotts has brought back Whittles, who is this just old prospector. You mentioned he reminds you a lot of the San Francisco 49ers mascot. And having seen a picture of him, I completely agree. <laughs> Do you have any recollection of Whittles as a, I mean, did he, does he predate your Knott's Berry farm fandom? So like, I know that I went to Knott's once as a kid when Whittles maybe was still around, but like I have vague, very vague memories of it. Um, so yes, he's like an old timey, prospect or a character but like looks like a sports mascot like big foam head kind of thing um and i think he was introduced in like the 70s probably as a like i don't know if they i don't know if not had like peanut stuff back then like if they had any kind of like kid friendly character but they definitely had ghost town um and so i think he was introduced probably then as like a oh here's a <laughs> a kid a character that kids can take pictures with um that fits in with ghost town which i think is very interesting because i feel like you know for the last five to ten years ghost town's been sort of i mean even longer than that ghost town has always been uh realistic is maybe not exactly the right word but sort of like like a certainly when ghost town alive started a few years ago but even before that like there were, you know, there's a, an actual blacksmith in Ghost Town that, like, it's a guy they're blacksmithing, and you could um, do the thing where you go and you talk to the guy in the jail, and there's a guy hiding with, like, a microphone and can talk back to you. And so, like, oh, it's popular, like, Ghost Town is populated by humans. <laughs> if you ride the train, like, the train gets robbed, and it's by, like, actual people, not a cartoon character. Um, so I think it's, I don't know, like, oh, was there overlap where there are these actual people in Ghost Town, and it was supposed to be a real setting, and also this cartoon walk-around character? Um, but I do think it's it was sort of fun to, like, see, oh, okay, they've got this throwback character that, yeah, I assume people who were kids in the 70s or 80s like would remember um might have fond memories for and sort of and i think it was i mean even during the the like opening ceremony event it's sort of like they had at the end they had like people and costume characters like run out and like sing and dance for like a final song at the end of this sort of kickoff talk by the gm and it was like funny that there's like okay there's like a couple people dressed in like you know, semi-authentic old West garb, and then also like a Peanuts character and Whittles, and and now like uh, new new characters from Nuts Berry Tales. They're all sort of here interacting together <laughs> with each other, and hey, like ah, any like 
this has no pretense of immersion for Ghost Town right now. And so I don't know. When I was there on Friday, Whittles was, he's not like his, the meet and greet spot for him was not like in the middle of Ghost Town. It was sort of a little on the edge of Ghost Town. So it's like, okay, maybe I'll like try and still have some like Ghost Town realism, but still let kids hang out with Whittles. Um, but I did appreciate that both him and that there are like now walk around characters from Knott's Berry Tales. They're like, okay, there are now multiple characters at Knott's that are original IP that, I mean, Whittles existed before, but not, not recently. And so like these sort of a bunch of characters that are now around that are original IP for the park, which is, oh, I, I know that some parts of like Disney fandom complain about like, oh, everything is, you know, movie IP and there's no more original IP in Disney parks. And it's like, oh, well now Knott's is serve leaning more into their original IP while still having the Snoopy stuff is like a very separate part of the park. Nice. And I mean, we're 16, 17 minutes into this podcast right now and we are a roller coaster podcast. So I'd probably be strung up by my uh, fingernails. If I didn't ask you how the uh, coasters are running after a year's hiatus of sorts. Yes. So the, um, so the park is open, requiring reservations. They're still capacity limited. Um, and at least as of now, I think this is supposed to... I, the rules are changing, I believe, on June 15th, and we'll see how quickly the park changes. They're still doing, like, alternate row boarding on the roller coasters. So uh, lines are kind of long, even with the limited capacity. If you can get in early, because the way the reservations work, I think the same as most parks, it's like... There's reservation slots and you can show up anytime after your time slot. And so I got there. Mine was at like 1130. So I got there about then and like lines were getting long, but definitely not as bad as they were later. Um, I imagine if you had the 10 a.m. reservation, like you could get in, you would have very short lines for the first hour. Um, So operationally, that's like, okay, there's like. Expect some long waits on the coasters. Uh, but in terms of how they were running, I mean, we wrote so Thursday night at the event, rode hang time at night. It was still lots of fun. It is still, you saw the pictures probably on Instagram or something, like still looks great with that KCL lighting at night. The lighting is still up and running. Um, the next day I was like sort of a, uh, you know, Accelerator, always fun. I had heard that briefly during passholder previews, they were doing two train operation, which is a rarity on Accelerator. Uh, when I was there, they were only doing one train operation. That may be like, it could be staffing or just like, depending on how busy they're expecting it to be, whether they put the second train on. Ghost Rider was running great. As always, it has the longest line. Although the not app wait times, which is maybe a problem with all Cedar Fair <laughs> apps, their wait times, are not very accurate. So like sometimes it was like, Oh, it says 15 minutes, actually half an hour. Luckily ghost Rider, It said like 90 minutes or 75 minutes. And I think it was a little under an hour. So got to do it a little old school with your park planning in terms of, okay, how let's look at the length of the line and try and guess. And the lines are like, uh, eh, people were pretty good about social distancing still in line. So they always look a little bit longer than they are. Um, but yeah, they were all running great. Ghost Rider was like, I, that's when I got off of it, sort of like, man, it's it's hard for me to remember now that it was rough and bad a few years ago before uh, GCI came and uh, did some work on it because it just feels like it feels so good now. Like it's not rough at all. And like it's the, the moments on it and the length are very impressive. It's one of those things that, yeah. Uh, 
if I ever have to rank like California wooden coasters, I will have a very hard time because I sort of each time I like that's one that like, oh, every time I write on it, I'm like, oh, this is really good. I don't know. Hmm. Hmm. How does this compare to things like the Giant Dipper and Gold Strike? It's like top of that list is tough. Uh, but yeah, they were all everything was open. They were all running well. Only downside is that waits are kind of long. And I think part of that was also um, operation staffing, as as I think most theme park fans have now read about. Parks are having trouble staffing. Uh, shout out to the operators of Montezuma's Revenge, who were both like, there was one guy who was both like assigning people to rows and then doing all the safety checks and like having to having to handle like okay socially just like alternate rows and like so that groups aren't next to each other while also then going through and checking things and uh, he was working very hard it seemed like a high stress situation to be the only guy on the platform uh when having to deal with that so but hopefully in a few weeks um the like social distancing on rides uh requirements will be lifted and they can sort of smooth out some of that operational stuff got it well Let's um, let's transition here a little bit into Knott's Berry Farm's new for 2021 attraction, which is actually kind of a, a remix of an old favorite at Knott's Berry yeah. Farm. And it's um, Knott's Berry Tales Return to the Fair. And for those who are unfamiliar, there was a dark ride at Knott's Berry Farm in the 70s. It was called Knott's Berry Tales. It was actually designed by uh, former Disney Imagineer Raleigh Crump. And it lasted at the park for, you know, a decade or so, and then became this thing called Kingdom of the Dinosaurs, which closed in 2004. Uh, The building sat empty for a while, according to the Internet, and then uh, became Voyage to the Iron Reef, which was a dark ride, interactive dark ride shooter from Triotech. That opened in 2015, I believe, operated for a couple years. And Knott's closed it early in 2020 to come up with this new attraction, also designed by Triotech, uh, Knott's Berry Tales Return to the Fair. So, Eric, you are somebody who has ridden both Voyage to the Iron Reef and Knott's Berry Tales now. The the new one, not the old one. Yeah, I'm old, but I'm not quite that old. That's all good. Um, <laughs> how does it compare? I mean, how does... Knott's Berry Tales Return to the Fair compare to its predecessor, Voyage to the Iron Reef. Yeah, so I think, I mean, when Voyage to the Iron Reef opened, like, uh, I was pretty excited about because I like dark rides and and Triotech, I think, has made some good ones in the past. And it was nice to see that Knott's was doing you know, an original IP and point a dark ride back in when to, to add to because they've got a few dark ride-esque things, the Calico Mine Ride and and timber mountain log ride log flume but well themed inside um and i think it was like you could see what they were going for and i think it was like a valiant attempt but it like didn't really hit the mark uh i think there were a couple things about it that one it was like the theme didn't really make sense or fit with any of the rest of the park like it was sort of this uh steampunky theme where like uh metal sea monstery thing like is attacking Knott's Berry Farm as if Knott's Berry Farm, which I guess the like theme of the Roaring Twains and Boardwalk area, that part of the park where it's kind of in between them is that it's on the coast, even though it's not actually. Um, and so like you have to go like save the park and destroy this sea monster. But it was like, 
there wasn't like, there weren't any characters like it didn't it wasn't something that was like made sense necessarily to be at knots like it could have been at any part of can be like oh yeah okay steampunk shooty ride and then i think it was also sort of i don't know how much of this is like just the technology wasn't uh, you know i I think i'm always surprised by how much animation technology improves over like five years but i felt like lots of the the graphics on kind of so it's a a mix of screen with some props and practical things um and the screens like uh, the animation quality on them just like wasn't great like it sort of felt like a in my mind, it always felt like a video game that was maybe five years older than it actually was. And then like as each year, it was sort of like, oh, this this looks and feels more and more dated um, as time goes. So I think it was like it was fine, but it was not something that was special. Uh, and I feel like Knott's Berry Tales has done a much better job of like both making sense with the park and also like. The theme is sort of, you know, it's obviously like lean into something that parks history and like there's not any other bear boysenberry pie factory. Like, I don't know how much we want to get into the, the, the plot of the ride is that there is uh, there is the the bear family boysenberry pie factory and crafty coyote is stealing pies and you're trying to recover the pies for the bears. And that's like it doesn't make sense with like the rest of the park, but it sort of at least leans into some of what of like the boysenberry part of Knott's Berry Farm. And then I think that it that it is sort of like these cartoon animal characters is that it sort of makes it. I think the animation quality has improved, but it also like doesn't like it's not trying to look realistic. So it which I think is a common situation in all animation, right? It's why like Pixar doesn't make photorealistic people in its movies. Um, And so I think by having like, okay, these are cartoon animal characters. So they don't like, they look good because they're kind of cute animated characters, um, which I think helps a lot compared to one of the things that was sort of an an issue with Voyage to the Iron Reef. Yeah. I'm looking back at our our 2019 interview with um, Noel Van Gnuchin. I'm sorry, (laughs) Noel, if you're listening. I'm not going to be able to pronounce your last name, but I, we talked with um, Triotech at IAPA and they were talking about how Knott's Berry Tales was such just this iconic IP when it came to Knott's. And they were so, I want to say concern, concern is not the right word, but they were so kind of focused. They called it their North Star um, to kind of reinvent um, Berry Tales for a current audience, work better or work as well for the um, target audience in 2021, just as well as it did 40 years ago. And so they had access to all the original concepts from Raleigh Crump and Crump was even, he was a, like a a consultant. I think he was a consultant on the project. Yeah. And it's just, I based on the pictures and I'm trying to stay as spoiler free um, based on the pictures I've seen, it looks really, really fun. And I, need to get back out to the west coast to uh to experience it but what was the what was the gameplay like obviously you're in a a dark ride vehicle you've got your gun which is a highly themed blaster right <laughs> yeah so so the original one had like a gun with a trigger that you pull um like lots of uh dark ride shooters um now it's more like uh as you're familiar with midway mania with the like uh 
thing that you pull back on to, to shoot and you're launching little blasts of, I think the idea is that somehow is a jelly blaster. You're shooting boysenberry jelly that somehow makes the pies come back to you. The great thing about being a cartoon is it doesn't matter that it doesn't make any sense. Um, and it feels like, uh, they were maybe like a little less responsive than like midway mania, but, uh, I think, but they actually felt pretty good. I think they're like the design of the gun itself is very silly, which I <laughs> thought was like fun. Like it's dumb. It like looks like a jar of jelly <laughs> with like a little string that's shaped like a boysenberry on the back. And it's like, this is silly. Like that is what this, this is clearly themed to be kind of a, a silly family ride. I do think that one of the issues with Voyage to the Iron Reef and an issue that I have on lots of dark rides is like, it can be really hard to see your <laughs> where you are shooting um even on like 3d screens i think that's something that midway mania is very good about it's like oh, okay clearly like yes i can see the like red dart or whatever that my color is and i think that this actually did a really good job of that like i think i don't know if that's quality of the screens or because it's now like a relatively sizable little blob of jelly <laughs> that you're shooting is like okay i can see where i'm shooting and i have a decent sense of like how to aim and move this. Um, so I think from that side, the shooting actually worked, felt really good on it. I think the other part of it is that there are, it's got the, the scenes are very busy. Uh, so there's like the, there's basically like little coyotes, crafty coyotes, pups are who he is using his gang of pups or stealing the pies. And you're basically trying to shoot the pies off them. And then occasionally crafty coyote shows up and you're supposed to shoot him. Um, but there's a bunch of like background stuff that you can also shoot and it responds to your hate it. It feels a lot like a shooting gallery. Like, Oh, there's a sign. And if you shoot the sign, it like flips and spins and then it says something else. Or like you can shoot like, Oh, there's a frog character in the back. Who's just part of the background. He's doing something and like you shoot him and like his hat pops off and he responds to that. Um, and so I think it's sort of, there's like a lot going on in all of the scenes, which in some sense is very fun. I did learn as I was going through that, like, Oh, you don't get any points for shooting the background stuff. It's like, okay, so I'm not going to worry about points. Cause I want to see what happens when I shoot the bear playing the guitar and like see his guitar strings pop or whatever. Um, so if you're not worried about the points, you can shoot all of that. I will say that one of the downsides, and I think this is an issue that I have with like lots of interactive dark rides is that, it's there's a couple points where it sort of stops and you can take in the whole scene, but like lots of times you're moving through it constantly. And so it's very hard to like see everything that's going on, especially if you're playing the game. Um, I think that's a problem with most dark rides. Again, I think midway mania solves this in a clever way of like, Oh, you stop every scene, like where you're shooting, you are stopped in front of it. Um, And so that's like, you know, I think we'll take it's one of these things where I always go back and forth of like, oh, I kind of actually want to just sit here and watch the scenes because there is a story going on. And like there's narration that I could pay attention to if I'm not focused on shooting. Uh, But then you're always, of course, tempted to shoot because shooting the little blast of jelly is fun. Um, But I think it does do like the interactive part is fun. And I think it's more it's like, again, partly because of cartoony and like brighter animation, like it's better than what voyage to the iron reef had and i feel like the the actuation that's like midway mania is is sort of better than a trigger where the trigger i feel like lots of times it's like i can't tell if this is working or like so i actually think that it was really fun uh and then to your your point about how trying using triotech using like lots of guidance from the first one like looking at pictures in your article of like the old 
the old Knott's Berry Tales, like you can tell that the animation style is the same. Like there's um, in one of the photos on in that that interview post is like has the background of like what the wall behind the loading station looks like. And it's like, oh, yeah, this looks the same. Like I can see in that picture, Crafty Coyote like basically looks the same. Like he's maybe been modernized a little bit, but like same outfit, same sort of shape, same, like the size, the proportions are all the same. And it's like, okay, yeah, that's like, this is a cool Disney-esque. You can sort of tell like, oh yeah, not surprising that Raleigh Crump worked on this. Um, that I think capturing that animation is sort of like, that's what makes it fun and like cute to look at and stuff. And so um, I think they did a really good job of capturing that part of it. Yeah, we, it's not like it's a um, like a, the Simpsons ride at Universal where, you know, the Simpsons come in a they come equipped in a 2D universe and they've made it, you know, completely 3D. It's actually the characters and the artwork, they translate well over the generations and it's not yeah. like a, a jarring revelation. Yeah. How, how many times did you get to ride and what was your high score? I wrote it. Uh, I think three times. So two on Thursday night and then once during the day. I actually only tried so the, the second two times i wrote it i was not really shooting <laughs> trying to to shoot at all i think the first one i remember i got a hundred something thousand but we didn't really know exactly what we were shooting at i think my friend who the second time we wrote he was he was still trying and he got a much higher score 200 something thousand i think the trick is so at the end you are given um you're given a score and i don't know like what the point sometimes the word bonus pops up on the screen sometimes i don't know what (laughs) causes that um but i do know at the end it like has it tells you the number of crafty coyotes that you've hit and the number of pies that you've hit and so and the number of crafty coyotes is much lower just like he shows up a few times and like sometimes pops into a scene and pops out so my guess is that if you can find and shoot as many crafty coyotes as possible that's probably that's probably the trick to gain the higher score I love it. I love this insider information. Uh, for yeah, I mean, those are all guesses. I actually have no idea. But <laughs> all right, well, we'll we'll get Triotech on the podcast hopefully soon, and yeah. uh, maybe they can tell us the uh, the hidden secrets. I mean, you you've done a good job as a as a relative outsider explaining the uh, ride, and <laughs> like I said, I'm very excited uh, to get back to the West Coast eventually. I mean, Knotts. When I visited a couple years ago, it was seriously one of my favorite parks I've ever been to. It's beautiful. The food's great. They've got a great collection of coasters. Um, I need to ride hang time. I need to see that the KCL lighting package, as you mentioned, Um, I, you know, I just need to get back out there. So now that California is slowly, but surely reopening um, their theme parks and we're getting back to whatever normal is now, I hope I can get out there sooner rather than later, just because, you know, between Berry tales hang time of course ghost rider silver bullet all that good stuff plus the opportunity to have carne asada fries i mean you can't really beat that yes yeah i mean it's and that was like just walking around nuts it was like i mean i had this so i went to california's great america a few weeks ago and that was like i was sort of like oh the park seems just prettier than i remembered and i felt sort of the same thing at knots that like i don't know how much they actually spent off season just like making things look nicer, but it was, it's a very, it's always been a very nice park to just kind of like hang out in. And I felt like even more so, I don't know if it was the extra decorations or like newer, better lighting in places or something, but it was like, Oh, 
this is like it's just kind of nice walking around here yeah anything else uh before we uh put a bow on this podcast eric i think one last thing about fairy tales that i'll mention so I, when voyage to the iron reef first opened we talked about they had sort of talked about like oh mixing practical effects and screens and i felt like on voyage to the iron reef they didn't do they didn't do as much with the practical as maybe we'd hoped and i think that's you know it's still it's you know 80 90 screens on fairy tales but they do have like there's a few scenes transitions between screens where like i think the 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 physical props that they have sort of pop a little bit more and there's one section that's kind of a long tunnel that's dark and I don't actually even remember what it was on Iron to the Reef. I Voyage to the Iron Reef. I think you're maybe like going deeper underwater or something. But on this one, it's like, oh, you're going into the spooky forest. And like, it's filled with like strobe lighting and like neon props and characters and stuff that I think do. Uh, it gave me sort of <laughs> reminded me of like uh, the indoor part of Verbolton and like, oh, it's a spooky forest with like flashes of light and like some things on the wall. But like in a very cartoony way. Uh, that I think now has like it pops better in a way that like, oh, I think they've they've they're doing with the limited practical stuff they have. I think they're doing a little bit more with it. Um, there are also a couple of scenes that have like good use of like, oh, raising the temperature because you're next to in one of the opening scenes, you're like next to the the oven where they're cooking pies. And it's like, oh, OK, yeah, that's like what's going on here. And there are a few where like, oh, blowing rushes of air at you and stuff. That So I think there's not a ton of those 4D effects, but I think they use them really well here. And I think maybe better than they had on Voyage to the Iron Reef and better than they do on a lot of uh, similar dark rides. Nice. Well, Knots, as you said, Eric, is open now. Reservations are required for the time being. So uh, if you get out there, be sure to check out uh, Knots, Berry Tales, Return to the Fair. Obviously, our good friends over at Triotech, they uh, they did some they did some good work, it sounds like, on this one. Yeah. Yes. I'm very happy with it. Also, uh, for now, still only California residents, although, again, I'm... I think that rule from the state goes away in mid June. And I would guess the park will follow suit shortly thereafter. So keep an eye on that. But I would guess that if you wanted to come from out of state mid to late summer, you're probably good. Don't come quite yet. All in all, get a vaccine. This has been a PSA from your good friends at Coaster 101. Yes. (laughs) That's going to do it for this week's episode of the Coaster 101 podcast. As always, make sure you're liking, rating, reviewing, telling your friends, telling your enemies forcing your family to listen on car rides, help people find us. That's what we, that's what we need. Uh, we can, we'll keep this podcast going as long as people want to listen. So the more people who listen and the more people review it, if you like it, tell people and other people will find it and maybe they'll like it too. Be sure to check out our website, coaster101.com. There's a really good article that Eric wrote about the reopening of Knott's Berry Farm and presumably his trip to Knott's Berry Farm. Like I said earlier, I haven't read it yet, but I know it's really good because Eric wrote it. Also, make sure to follow us on social media. We're at Coaster 101 anywhere you consume it, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. If you've got any questions, comments, concerns, fan mail, hate mail, or want to tell us your favorite boysenberry food item, send us an email, podcast at coaster101.com. Thanks, as always, to Justin Mabry of JM Music Design for our theme music. That'll do it for this week, and we will talk to y'all again soon. See ya. Bye.